0: amen amen so God gave me this word reluctant I thank God for the pastor a lot of times when I give him uh titles I'm amazed at the artwork because he hits it right the dot, like what I'm thinking and so this is this is great reluctant yes maybe no so that is the message that God gave me reluctant and I think about like when I was a kid and we played in the branches, you know, and we would catch crawfish and we would ball them and eat them. But we had to turn over every rock to see if we could find one. They were always hiding under the rock. So we had to make sure we overturned every rock. And that's what I see God doing with us as a body. He's making sure that in this year, a supernatural restoration, that nothing stands in our way that we cannot receive so we thank god for being concerned about us to make sure that we get everything that we're supposed to have in this year things that we lost things that we never had amen that's what we're looking for in this year a supernatural restora- restoration i have uh, i wear the bands on my arm as a point of contact and believing Uh, what God has promised, I'm I'm keeping his promises before me, that these things have to come to pass in my life for that supernatural restoration to happen. Amen. We started out with a full circle. Amen. That our lives have gone, my life has seemed like it's gone a whole full circle. I'm back to a point that I was at once before. Amen. And a lot of times in our lives when we don't pass tests, We have to have a retest. Amen. 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 So full circle. And then the power, the power broke through, has to break through because we can't do anything without power. Amen. So the power or the grace, if we want to say that, the power to do, the grace to make sure that we're before the Lord, that we can receive everything from him, that nothing is blocking our supernatural restoration. So I want to first talk about reluctance. What is reluctance? And the the definition of reluctance is unwilling, hesitant, and disinclined. Amen? Now I think about this. I think about when I was a child and my mother told me to do something and I didn't want to do it. Right? I didn't want to do it. But I did it because I knew pain was coming after, if I didn't do it, amen? Amen. I knew the pain was coming, it was coming my way. So as I grew older, started lifting weights and all, got bigger, I learned how to block out the pain, that her licks could no longer hurt me. I could finally take the licks from the belt, from the Hot Wheel tracks, from the leather strap, (laughs) For the little trees that my brother would go get for me to get a whooping. Amen. (laughs) I knew that if I didn't do it, that pain was coming. So I want to talk about, let's turn to, and this is an audible. It's not in the lower thirds. It's Luke 15, uh, verse 11 through 32. Now, this is talking about the prodigal son. And a lot of times we focus on the prodigal son. He came back. His father uh, uh, honored him, killed the fattest cow. But a lot of times we don't look at the big brother, the elder brother. What was he doing? What was on his mind? Amen? So the story talks about the man had two sons. So the younger of the sons, he wanted his portion. He wanted his inheritance now. So God, uh, so, so the father... Divided up the inheritance between the two. Between the older brother and the younger brother. Where the younger brother went out partying and being with harlots and all this stuff. And lost all his money. Right? He came to himself. And when he came back, his father saw him coming. Killed the fattest calf. Gave him a ring. Put him on the road. To let him know that he had sonship that he had not been denied his place amen but let's look at verse 25 now this elder son was in the field and as he came and as he came and drew nigh to the house he heard the music and the dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and he said unto him, thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fattest cow, calf, um, because he hath received him safe and sound. Now that should have been a good word. I asked the question, I got the answer, I should rejoice. That's my brother, that's my sister. I should have rejoiced, but he didn't. And it says, and he was angry, and would not go in. He wanted to make a scene about the thing. He was reluctant to receive his brother. He was reluctant of what his father did for the younger brother. He said he was angry and would not go in, and therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. I neither transgress at any time thy commandments, and yet thou never givest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends, all right? So he's saying here, hey man, I, I've been compliant to everything that you asked me to do. I've been compliant. But how many knows being compliant is not being submissive, amen? You can be compliant and hate to do it, don't wanna do it, but you do it. We, some of us have jobs we hate to go on, right? But we go because what? We need that money to pay them bills, to have food and shelter. Amen? So this elder son, he was reluctant. And God gave me that example of that. But the father said unto him, he said, while you're here, everything is yours. You're a son, so what I have, you have. Now, I think about uh, my children. Sometimes we have uh, friends of ours that do things for the children. And the children sometimes think it's all about them, that they are such good, uh, have such a good relationship. But it's not based on that. It's based on the relationship that the parent has with the person why the children uh, are, are receiving. Amen? Amen. So it's based upon the relationship with the parent. All right? Keep that in mind. So, submission is of the heart. You see, and as we are talking about, when I was talking about getting uh, getting the whooping and stuff, submission is a thing of the heart. You see, physically, I was standing up or doing the task. But inside, I was saying no. I was saying, I don't want to do this. I half-heartedly did it. And that was a price for that, too. You was going to do it till you got it correct. But just think about that. How many times is God asking us to do something, but our response may be a reluctant response? We do it because maybe we fear God. Maybe we don't want to go to hell. Maybe we believe in God for something, and we feel like if I don't do this, maybe I won't do it. I won't get what I want. Terrible way to look at it, but that's what we do sometimes. We look at it like that. All right? You see, I got to a place where the pain of doing wrong didn't stop me. I had grown dull of hearing, dull in my heart, and the pain that should have told me to do something different did not work. Because I became dull. I became callous how many times in our life do we go through things and rather than submit or repent, we we double down, we get harder. I'm gonna do it anyway. And we push through to do it to our detriment. So the pain that God is sending or the pain that we're going through in our lives is telling us change change don't be stubborn and not change that pain is there for a reason it's looking for a response the ideal response for the body is to whatever's causing the body pain to remove the body from that situation amen remove all right let's go to first samuel uh, fifteen and twenty-three, because I think a lot of times we um, we harden in, or, or we are stubborn and we think God is all right with that. So First Samuel fifteen and twenty-three uh, says this: For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And usually that's where we stop it. I'm not going to be rebellious. I know that's like the sin of witchcraft. It's going to spread through the body like cancer. So I'm not rebellious. But it goes on to say, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So he doubled down on that. He said, look, you've been stubborn. You holding true to what you want to do, pressing through to what you want to do. God looks at that as idolatry and iniquity and he goes on to say because thou has rejected the word of the lord he have also rejected thee from becoming king and he was talking about saul but the aspect of we look at rebellion but we don't look at stubbornness as a not a good quality to have we think stubbornness is a good thing well he couldn't make me change i stood my ground why why because a lot of times we think in our heart of ourselves more highly than we ought to. See, that's idolatry. I'm putting myself on a, pedest- on a pedestal and I'm saying, I'm this, therefore I can. You know? So it's all about that. We have to look at our heart. How many of us are serving God reluctant? Just think about that. Think about situations in your life that you've gone through. Or that you're going through now. And that you're reluctantly doing things, but it's not with joy. And let's go to another example of this. Jonah, in the book of Jonah. Jonah was called to preach to the city of Nineveh. But he didn't want to. He didn't want to do it. God told him to do it. He didn't want to do it. See, If we're not careful, we can go from disobedient to being reluctant. See, it starts by not being sensitive to the spirit of God. When God is telling you to do something and out of your disobedience now becomes that spirit of reluctance. So we have to be mindful, mindful of when God is telling us something, we need to be sensitive and we need to make the move. He's telling us for a reason. It's for our good. We read Jeremiah 29 and 11 all the time, right? And we can quote that left and right, that he has an expected end. He doesn't mean us any bad. He wants good for us. But a lot of times in our mind, we think we know what's best for us. You know, this is just how I am. I don't want to change. Or I remember when I tried that I I got hurt in the situation. I don't want to try it again. No, we got to go back into it with our heart we are to serve god with joy as i said and your heart has to be in it if we're serving god and our heart is not in it because we know if our heart is not in it then we're not going to do it to the best that we can so it's important and the bible says this it says for where a man's treasure is there is his heart also Amen. I'm sorry. could you water? Thank you. So, thank you. Appreciate it. So, where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart is also. Now, what kind of treasure? We can, we can make anything a treasure. If something is dear to us, it's a treasure for us. Amen? So, where a man's treasure is... That's where his heart is also. If the heart doesn't accompany our obedience, we become frustrated. And we think that we're doing God a favor. You know, well, I didn't want to do it anyway. I'm, I'm so frustrated, but I'll go ahead and do it. So the pastor won't say nothing to me. So Mr. James won't say nothing to me. So, so Sister Barber won't say nothing to me. I'll go ahead and do it. I don't want to do it, but I'll go ahead and do it. So we got to get away from that because God looks at the heart. He's looking at the heart. The Bible says man looks at the outward appearance, but it's God that's appearing through that heart to see what's in the heart because whatever in that heart is going to show forth. And that's what people are going to see. You can be doing the good, all the good you want to do, but if your heart not right, people of God can see that your heart is not right. Your heart ain't in it. So when we come to places of temptation in our lives and our heart is with God, then that temptation is not a big deal. We can say, I love God more than," or I don't want to lose my place in God, therefore that temptation means nothing to me. It has no value to me. But if I don't treasure my salvation, If I don't treasure where God has me, if I don't treasure the connection God has for me through other people, connecting to people, if I don't treasure that, then I lose sight and I count it as dumb. Dung. All right? So it's important. One thing that I realize in life, God connects me with people who I should be connected with if I just pay attention. Or ask that next level question. I meet somebody. We start talking. And it's that next level question. And you say, wow. You realize this is God ordained. That it just wasn't happenstance. God is purposing things in our lives. We just have to be sensitive to the spirit of God. And we have to value things. Okay? We have to value things. All right? All right. And we can't be all stubborn. So if we go to Isaiah 12, uh, Isaiah 12, because we want to always, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So here in Isaiah 12 and verse 2, And three, it says this, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song, and he also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, shall I draw waters out of the wells of salvation. And we know that water represents a refreshing, a bringing back to life, a vitality, you know that's what water represents, and we know that the Bible talks about the washing of the word. You know, it's, it's, it's making, it's bringing it back to its new state. So, <clears throat> so it says here that joy, and we know that joy is a fruit of the spirit, as it talks about in Galatians five and twenty-two. Let's turn there, Galatians five twenty-two. Because I think even more than speaking in tongues, to know if you're a Christian or not, (laughs) it's the fruits of the Spirit. Are the fruits of the Spirit operating in your life? What are the fruits of the Spirit? Galatians 5, uh, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Are you operating in love? Or are you operating in tolerance? Amen. It goes on to say joy. We know that joy is important because we got to have strength to run this race. And it's joy that pulls out that refreshing, that revival in us. So we got to have joy. Peace. Are you walking in the peace of God? Are you using illegal substances or other things to comfort and bring peace to your mind that's racing and running? How are you shutting that down? Is it through prayer? Is it through fastening prayer? Or is it through a substance that you're taking, whether it's prescribed or not prescribed? Amen. Peace should be operating in our lives. Long-suffering. I had an example here. (laughs) Of long-suffering but I want to say this with long-suffering it takes the Spirit of God to not be frustrated with things with people and other things you get long-suffering but I think about a child if a child let's say a child is one years old and he's using the bathroom on on himself you don't look at that child like you don't get it you're not supposed to be doing that You're patient with that child because you know that they're in training. You know that they don't know any better. Sometimes people do things out of ignorance. You know, they just don't know. And so long-suffering helps with that, not to be short with people, not to be done with people. You know, I talk to Christians all the time, and I'm amazed at how they can be just done with somebody. I ain't talking to them no more. What? Wait, hold up. Aren't you a Christian? Is long-suffering in your life? Do you understand long-suffering? You know, you just can't cut people off. These are divine appointments. So a lot of times, the Bible talks about iron sharpens iron, right? So a lot of times, God is sending people your way to smooth out those rough edges in your life. And there should be an appreciation for that, not being displeased. You know, when they built the temple... um, All those stones were cut away from a different site and they just placed the stones where they need to be. Those rough edges were smoothed out. Everything fit perfectly. Well, that's how God wants us as a body. That everything, the Bible says that we are joint together, right? And packed, we we compact together. That every joint supplies that there's no lack in the body. So if we're in our proper place and we're allowing iron to sharpen iron that we're not walking in a fence all the time you know wearing our sleeves uh, our filling on our sleeves but we understand that god is doing a work god is doing the work let god do the work the bible tells us in uh, psalms 51 uh i was born in sin and shaping in iniquity now Some of us are getting to the point now that we have more years saved than we had in the world, which is a good thing. But if you just came to Christ or you've been in Christ for a short period of time, just think of all that time that you spent out in the world that was shaping you, that was telling you through the hurt and stuff, well, this is just how I am. No, it's not how you are. That's what the world has put on you to stop you from reaching God's potential that he has for you. So we have to make sure that we check that self, we do that self check. Lord, is the fruits of the Spirit showing up in my life? Am I short with people? Am I not not walking in long suffering? Am I gentle? That's another fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness. Am I gentle? Do I have a heart for people? Or do I just put up with people? Amen. Goodness. I'm always trying to see the good. We look at um, 1 Corinthians 13 chapter about love. It says love thinketh no ill. That's what love does. Love ain't got the conspiracy. I don't think they like me. They doing this to me. I don't know. You know, it's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. You're letting the devil play tricks in your mind. We have to get past that. Faith, we got to have faith. Hey, the gesture what? Live. Live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible. Impossible. Now, nah, that, 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 that's, that's doubling down on that, you know. It's impossible to please God without faith. Not your intellect. Faith. Amen. And, and Pastor has been bringing a great message of this faith. You know, this faith in action, this now faith, this faith that we should live in moment to moment, not just visit it every three months. Or oh, I remember back in 1972, we had this <laughs> we had this <laughs> we had this deacon at, a, at one of the old churches I used to go to and he would stand up for testimony and he would always go back to 1972. I remember 1972 how God used me. God did this. And I'm thinking, it's 2000 and what? (laughs) Mm. You know, so (laughs) it's a life that we live daily. Adventures every day, every moment of letting the Holy Spirit speak through us, using us, leading us, guiding us. Amen? That's the life we're to live. Okay? It goes on to say temperance, self-control. Are you operating in self-control or are you binging on things? You know, I, I, uh, I, can't, I, I hate to watch series, so I was watching this, uh, I like foreign movies, I like movies that you gotta read, you know, at least, <laughs> you know, I like movies. Like, they, they seem to be good movies. Foreign movies seem to have a better theme for me. Um, <laughs> but, and, um, I was watching this thing. It was, I think it's called Heaven and Hell. And I started watching it, and it got interesting. And before I knew it, I had watched 68 episodes. I said, oh, my God, I wasted my time. How can I do that? I don't have time for that. So Zip always come in, she'll say, Is that a series? I'm like, no, that's not a series. That's a movie, you know. <laughs> because we can get caught up in the world, just going through it. Look, everything in the world is not bad. Now, there were some pleasures in the world. There's some pleasures in the world that's giving us issues now because we haven't thrown it in the sea of forgetfulness. Amen. So I'm just saying. But I sit there. And it, it took me some days, but I watched every episode of that because it got me hooked. You know, it got me, I was like, man, what's going to happen now? That was good. You know, it's just like the old Batman shows. Y'all remember the old Batman show? used to come on and it said, we'll be back next week. Same back channel, same back time. But they leave you like, what? This is how it's going to end? Nah, I got to come back and watch it. That's what the world does to us. And we don't see it a lot of time. The world will offer us this little thing here. It's a bait. If you take it, oh, I got him now. I got her now. Now I can start feeding things. And as Pastor has been talking about, uh, he did the example on stage that we're in God when we get saved, but we're closer to the world. So the further we get away from God, the more we get worldly or carnal, as the the Bible calls it, carnal Christian, fleshly. So we have to understand the, the, uh, the three things, the lust of the eyes, the lust, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Are these things attacking you or are people offering these things to you to get you away from your relationship with God? It's so important that in this day and time where we are, that we really value our relation with God because if we look at the world what's going on in the world it's a lot going on in the world that's not good that you know it's a lot of things that are happening and and as christians we don't need to pray against everything cuz some things have to happen for the end to come so we got to know what's in the book right we don't want to be praying against what god has purposed to happen but it's a lot happening, but what we have to do is to find ourselves hid in Him. Amen. That's the only way, through famine, that you're going to survive, that we are hid in Him. Our lives are hid in Him, is that in, it's in Him we move, live and have our being. that we don't operate outside of Him. It's just like when astronauts go to space, they can't operate outside of that spacesuit on the moon or in orbit. They got to have oxygen, right? Without that oxygen, they die quick. Without God, we die. Without God, we die. We need all of God to sustain us. All of God to sustain us. Now, in Joshua, uh, well, let's go here. Jonah, back to Jonah. Jonah did not want to go because he knew God's mercy could follow. So he disliked the people so much that he didn't even want God's grace to come upon them. That's why he didn't want to do it. So Jonah runs and puts others in danger. Let's stop right there. Are we running? putting others in danger. Our friends, our families, our church members that we're connected to and in covenant with. are we're not taking our rightful place in God and putting others in danger. Just think about that. Because we're all connected. We just finished talking about being compacted. So if the doctor was to come to me and say, Lamar, you got green, uh, gang green in your hand, we are gonna need to cut it off. Man, before you cut my hand out, let's try this, let's do this. We ain't tried everything before I let my hand go. We should have that same aspect of with each other, right? That if I see my brother or sister caught up in the fall or, 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 or in a situation, what is my response? Do I see that person as important enough to pray for him? Do I see that person important enough to, to, to have that conversation? Do I? So we gotta see where our heart is because that locates our heart as well. When we see things like that. So in Joshua 71, wanna make this statement. Reluctance is an accursed thing. It's ungodly. And in Joshua 7 and one, it says this, But the children of Israel committed a trespass uh, in the accursed thing. For Achan took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindered, kindered against the children of Israel. In other words, that Because this was the first time that Israel lost a battle. The first time. I mean, they had been going through conquering everybody. People were scared of them because they knew God was on their side. So they lost this battle. And a lot of people were killed in this battle. Because Achan had adjoined himself to the accursed thing. The person that was in the body of Christ connected to a cursed thing still connected to the body just think about that in genesis 6 and 3 it says this and the lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man that i won't always look away we know that the day of judgment is coming right and that we're going to have to give an account for what we have done in this body Every idle word, every action that we've done, we're gonna to have to give an account. Amen? Amen? So we need to really look at that. That God is not always gonna look away, or that mercy. He's giving us mercy. The Bible says, mercy and truth came through Jesus Christ, right? So He's given us mercy, and He's given us grace. Grace and mercy came through Jesus Christ. So he's given us grace and he's given us mercy for us to get it together. But we have to have a sense of urgency to get it together. I don't have 20 more years to get it together. I need to get it together now. Right? And for those that are older, we have lived more time than what we got left. We don't have time to play. We don't have time to waste. Um, as Pastor would say, we already took enough vacations in our lives anyway. Amen? In terms of, you know, letting your hair down, going partying, doing all that kind of stuff, you know. I had my share of that, done with that, you know. But I tell you this <clears throat> when I go to uh, school, to homecoming reunions and stuff, I'm amazed that people my age and older are still partying and acting like we were in college. But you know what's happening to them? They're dropping dead. Mm -hmm. One good friend of mine, he used to be my roommate, the guy that was with him said they was walking. He turned the corner and the guy was dead. They was walking together dropped dead, massive heart attack, dropped dead. But every time I seen this guy, he had a drink in his hand. Another guy, no. And it it was sad because great shape, he was in shape. Went to the hospital because he wasn't feeling well. They sent him home. On his way going back to the hospital, he died. But guess what? They were still partying. They were still doing these things. You know, your body, like when I was in chemistry, your body can take some stuff when it's young, right? And in the chemical field, you deal with a lot of things that could be hazardous to your health. But when you're young, your body can take it. But as you get older, your body can't take what it took when it was younger. Think about this. Your body can't take what you did when you were younger. Your activities can't take what you did when you were younger now that you're older. We have to make adjustments. We have to. So those guys every year, it's like, you go to homecoming, next homecoming, they ain't there. But they haven't changed their lives. And it's sad to see, you know, that, uh, you know, when I I was in college, and I tell people, uh, social life is excellent in college, that's why you got to be focused and know what you're going there for. If you don't, you can spend at least a year partying, and then they're going to send you home. Because <laughs> you didn't <done> flunked out. <laughs> Amen. So, guess what? God's Spirit won't always chime with man. Don't flunk out. So, as it was in the days of Jonah, people was living any kind of way, sin upon sin, Isaiah 30, um, Isaiah 30 and 1. So Isaiah 31 says Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not my spirit, that they may add sin to sin just doing whatever they want to do we can't do that as Christians we can't get to a place of reluctancy of disobedience that now is returned to reluctancy and we just start doing anything we can't do that if any time in our history that we need to be bringing the good news to a lost and dying world is now in James 1 and 13 through 15, it tells us that sin, let's turn there. James uh, 1. All right, I said James 1:13 through 15, and it says this, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. In other words your environments, your situations that you're in. God is not trying to tempt you with evil. That's the devil. That's the devil. Of bringing back that old person in your life. That's the devil. That meant you no good when they were in your life, but you want to get back with them or what have you. It means you no good. All right? Uh, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. It goes on to say, but every man is tempted when his eyes is taken off God. When he is, when he is tempted, he's drawn away unto his own lust and enticed. He gets conceited. This is what I want to do. I reached this plateau in life. Therefore, now I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. i reached this aspect in life that money means nothing to me i got all the money i need i can do whatever but we can't we can't we can't get drawn away into that or the props that people give you because of where you at or what you've done we can't get caught up in that see that'll draw us away we're not meant to handle glory we're meant to pass it on amen to God be the glory. Whatever you see in me that's good, thank God, is him. It's not me. It's him. He gets all the glory. Amen. He gets all the glory. And he goes on to say that when he is drawn away into his own lust and enticed, when, then, uh, then, when, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, Bring it forth death. So we got friends and family out here that are going through death. And, and there's more ways to go through death, not just the aspect of dying, but spiritually dying. Dying, being in a place of lack, you know, that's a death. You know, when, when you don't have enough to survive that that you don't have enough to pay your bills you know you don't have enough for all these things that's a place of lack that god doesn't want us in it's an aspect of the gospel called the common well and we're going to go into that too so let me not jump ahead (laughs) so back to jonah jonah knew three things that god is merciful he knew that do we know that that god is merciful That whatever we have done, God will forgive. But we have to turn away from. We have to repent of that thing, as it says in 1 John 1 and 9. That he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Put us back into that pinnacle, that high place in him. See, sin knocks us out of that place. But repentance puts us back in that place. And as we're talking in the church about unconfessed sin, it's so important that we get that off of us. Talk to God. Talk to God. Confess that thing. He sees everything. Confess it. Two, that God is concerned for the Gentiles. Jonah knew that. See, the Syrians were were Gentiles. They were not Jewish. All right? That God was concerned for them because he told them to go to Nineveh, right, and preach to them. So the idea that it was only the Jews, God always had all people in mind. And as we go through this word, we'll see, wait now, it was not just for them. Even when we go to uh, Numbers 10, I think it's 1038, when they were about to go into the promised land and and Moses, God told Moses to tell Jephro that God wants y'all to go in with us because you are our eyes. We can read this out of Numbers, the 10th chapter. So it wasn't just the people, children of Israel were supposed to go to the promised land. Jephro and his people were supposed to go too. All right? So that, and, and Jephro, I mean, but we can read that. It's, it's, in, it's in Numbers 10. So we all know that story, Um, like I say, Jonah runs and goes the opposite direction. He jumps into a boat, (laughs) and that's kind of funny. He jumps into a boat to try to get away from God. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it it, it sounds crazy. (laughs) But this though, how many of us use the cloak of darkness to do ungodly things? You know, there was an old song years ago about what comes out at night, you know, but. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) even using the cloak of darkness to do things, God sees us. Amen. Amen. So the Bible goes on to say in Jonah 3 and 2 through 4. God tells him to go to Nineveh, but he also, to me, he was saying, this is the state of the church. Let's go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings 10. And I just want to, this, other, this is a portion of the scripture I want to use. First Kings 10 and 5. And it says this this is the portion I want. And he went into the house of the Lord, and there was no more spirit in her. That, as we look at the church today, a lot of entertainment is going on, a lot of psychology is going on. But where's the spirit of the Lord? Where's the spirit of the Lord? It's missing in the church. And this is supposed to be the the pillar in the ground of truth, right? Where's the spirit? How can we be so in-depth with a program that we just totally leave God out of the picture? We leave his spirit out of anything we do. God's spirit has to be part of everything that we do. Everything that we do. As Jesus said, I don't do nothing or say anything except the Father say or tell me to do. We have to get to a place where we are letting the Spirit of God lead us and guide us into all truth. Whatever that truth is, the Holy Spirit is willing to reveal it to us if we spend the time. We talk about in Survivor Kit about quiet time. We we learn about quiet time that yes, you need that time to pray, but conversing with somebody is two people talking. you, You know, you're saying something, I'm saying something. There's an understanding going forth. So when we're praying, we're praying to God, but do we take time for that quiet time to hear what God is saying back to us? Or we're just going on with our day. I prayed, got my check there, I'm gone. Not giving God a chance to even respond to the prayers that we prayed so it's so important that we spend that quiet time now what i see as i said in the church where's the spirit of god in the church and i don't mean every church there are churches that definitely have the spirit of god and this is one that has the spirit of god if we pay attention to what god is doing we'll see God is over everything that's happening. He is totally in control. Now, Nineveh, it took three days to go across Nineveh. It was so big. It took three days. But when Jonah finally showed up, it took him one day that the people were right for revival. So as he started preaching, it spread over the whole country and one day, and one day. When we go into the house of the Lord, well, let's, let's just say this. There's a lot going on in the world. And it's this thing that people say they are woke now. Meaning mean, I guess they're paying attention. But the Bible talks about There's a great falling away before the end comes. There's a falling away. And I'm going to tell you, there's some crazy stuff going on in church. You know, I saw in Ohio well, a pastor and his wife got indicted. So it ain't a rumor. They got indicted for sex trafficking in the church, in the church. Uh, We know that the other spirits are, you know, especially with musicians, uh, it seems like, you know, uh, they have another spirit upon them uh, that's not (laughs) godly. You know, but it's a lot of stuff, craziness that you would think, where's the fear of God? How can you do that and be a pastor? How can you do that and be a child of God, period? Or how can you do that and proclaim that you're a child of God? And doing craziness. I mean, if you're doing something morally wrong, that's you and God. But if you're doing something criminally wrong, you don't have the character of God. See, I came into the church around what they call the charismatic age, I guess. And um, so people prided themselves on knowing the word. They pride themselves on knowing the word, but not necessarily doing the word. You know, I know the word. I know the word. But are you living out this word? We say on a um, morning uh, Bible fellowship, after we read scriptures, we say, um, May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and the doing of his word. Amen. That's where the blessing lies. That's what's on the other side of your obedience, blessings. Amen. So do we love enough? Do we care enough? Well, God does, even with Jonah. He gave him shade uh, for this plant. And Jonah had an attitude. God gave him something because he saw he needed some shade. So he had a plant grow up to shield him from the sun, even though Jonah had an attitude didn't want to do what God says, reluctantly did it after being tossed overboard in the mouth of a big fish. Didn't say well, it said a big fish, all right? Because like we we switch out stuff, you know, we say, well, well is big, must be a well. No, it wasn't a well. Or just like we say in the garden, even she ate the apple. It wasn't an apple. It was a fruit of good and evil. But we sometimes transpose things, you know, but it wasn't that, it was a big fish. Now you think about, you on this ship, the storm is going on, everybody's scared they're gonna die. They realize something wrong, <laughs> all right? Who is it on this boat that shouldn't be on this boat? Threw them overboard, you know? And if you ever been out in the sea, my goodness, you know, if you are in a storm in the sea, I mean, I know we're going deep sea fishing next month. When that boat gets out, there, I mean, it takes about two hours to go where we're going on the boat. So all that rocking and shaking, you know, you get sick, you know, whatever, you know, but you can imagine a storm with all this going on, you know, throwing overboard and a big fish got him. So after going through all of that, he came to a moment where he came to himself, just like the prodigal son. Does it take all of that for us to come to a moment that we realize what's going on in our lives, that we need to cut some relationships off, we need to stop doing some things that we're doing? Does it take all of that? How much pain can you take? And why take it? Why take it? You know. So, (laughs) it goes on to say, That um, God had now Jonah with his attitude and God, what God is saying to us is Jonah had pity for the plant, which he did not labor, nor did he make it grow. Should we have pity on people or love enough for people to tell them the truth, to tell them the good news? Or do we see people as invaluable? Do we see people as they don't matter? Because if we got the heart of God, we got to love people. John three sixteen, we quote it all the time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him that we all might be saved. While we were yet sinners, enemies against God, total enemies against God, he sent his son. He gave, he loved us through that situation to bring us out. Out of that muck and mire, out of that place in the world of death and lack. He brought us out. So, he did that for us. We should be willing to do that for others. You know, Oftentimes, I, 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 when I talk to Pastor Keith and I think about, I've been at the church now for, I think, how many? 12 years? 12 years. How many was here when I first came to the church? That's all? Oh, y'all missed it. Y'all, oh, y'all missed Lamar. Oh, goodness gracious. Look. <laughs> I was always in the principal's office. <laughs> but he had patience. He had patience. The pastors had patience for me. And I'm thank, I thank God for that. But because they had patience for me, I can have patience for other people. You know? But Lamar was something else. He had to go. He had to go. So, <laughs> so who are you carrying that needs to go? <laughs> Amen. All right. Okay. So it goes on to say, all right. we must increase in our hearts to love more. In, In 1 John 3 and 14, it says this, that we pass from death unto life because of love. Just by applying love to the situation, you bring life to it. By applying love to a situation, you bring life to it. And we know that the church edifies itself in love. It builds up itself by the love, the love we have for God, the love we have for each other. So you are never alone in any circumstances or things that you're going through. A brother is born for adversity. We are here for you. Amen. For everyone that's connected, don't ever feel like Elijah did after he God used him to kill the 450 prophets of Baal. And then Jezebel said, uh, I'm going to kill you. And he wanted to die. Lord, it's me and only me going through this. Lord, don't nobody understand, Lord. They don't understand. They ain't going through this. And then God had to correct him and said, look, I got 7,000 other people that have not bowed their knees to, uh, to Satan. The Bible said, don't think it's strange when you're going through all these different tests and trials. It's working something out of you. But also know this, and I'm paraphrasing, it's, it's happening in your brothers and sisters as well. Ain't nobody getting by with not going through these things because we've been shaping in the world, born in the world, shaping in iniquity. Those things have to fall off. They got to go. As we elevating God to that place where God would have us to be, that purpose thing, that thing while we were born, We can't take some things in there. We just can't. We can't take some relationships in there no matter how long we've known them, how long they your boo thing or whatever. We can't take them. We can't take them. All right? Habits, things that we do that are ungodly, we can't take them. We just can't. If we want to be all that God would have us to be, if we want to move in the power and authority of God, if we, want to be, if we want to be used by God, there are some things that we just cannot take. Period. So let's just settle that and not take them. Get rid of them. As, as, uh, as when God, Jesus came to Peter and he said, do you love me? And Peter said, yeah, I love you. Came back to him again. Do you love me? Peter gets fresh. Oh, you know I love you, Lord. And I'm going to say this. Why are you not giving it up then? Why are you not giving it up? You love God. You're called according to his purpose. Why is it so hard to give up these other things? We got to give them up. If we want all of God, we got to empty out so he can fill us up. Amen? So, it goes on to say, we have to take our place. God is calling us out to take our place, to vow before him, God Almighty, that we would do whatever he's calling us to do, that we would spread the good news. See, I'm talking about revival. The Bible says that judgment starts first in the house of god that's where judgment starts so god i think through the COVID situation what's going on a whole lot of bishops ministers died i mean a whole lot and one particular denomination was hit big with it and we did not see until two years later now they got all these scandals that are coming out of homosexuality and other stuff and then we can see oh wow i can see why that happened you know god is judging the church but guess what revival means he wants to renew the right spirit in the church too so revival starts with us as well the making it new the renewal right to revive to bring back that spirit of god back into the house of the lord where it belongs, amen, to bring it back into the house of the Lord. That's what revival is, that we we now come to a point that we're overflowing, that that love that is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, now it's not just stuck in our heart. It's overflowing out of us, everything that we come in contact with, everything we, we get around, the Spirit of God shows up in us, amen, in us. Amen. So that's the revival that needs to happen in these days. That the Spirit of God has to come back to the church. That the people of God have to operate in the Spirit. And he says in Job 3 and in Acts 2 17 through 21, he said, In the last days, let me, mm-hmm. he goes on to say, That in the last days, it's, it, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesize and your young men shall see vision and your older men shall dream dreams. But then he didn't stop there. He gave a proof situation. This is how you're going to know. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath. See, when his spirit shows up, signs and wonders show up amen when his spirit shows up signs and wonders show up so we know when his spirit is poured out amen and we know that we are living in these last days 2500 prophecies in the bible over 2000 have already come true now if you don't believe we're in the last days like i say take a look at the world don't look at america Look at the world, but America is is uh, Solomon Gomorrah was destroyed for what they did. Take a look at America; we're modern-day Solomon Gomorrah. Everything goes. So where's the church? The church has to rise up. It has a standard that God wants to abide by. It has a standard, right? And everything don't fit into that standard. And we have to be willing to say, if you're against God, I'm against you. See, we, we, we play games with each other with that, you know, that, uh, well, I got to love them. Yeah, you got to love them, but you got to love them telling the truth, too, you know. Love ain't always just so, it's okay. No, it ain't okay. Because the end of this thing is death. The end of this thing is the white throne judgment where hell gives up its dead and the sea gives up its dead. And they're thrown into the lake of fire forever, weeping and gashing their teeth. That's the end product of that life outside of God. Now, we know what the end is going to be. Do we have a heart for people or do we want people to go through that? Do we want our family members to go through that? And sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you live. They're looking at you. And the Bible says, We're written epistles, read of all, that our lives should not have pages that nobody can read. You know, in the back, I write this so I know ain't nobody gonna see that. No, our life should be open that anybody can read our lives, that we exhibit. The character of God, right? That we exhibit the character. And character has nothing to do with prosperity, with money. It has to do all about God's will and his way. All right? We have to have the character of God. So it goes on to say, I wrote this in, in, uh, let's go to Hebrews 6 and 10. I got that here. Let's go. And I'm about to finish up. Um, Hebrews 6 and 10. And it says, because it says this, For God is not unrighteous to forget your works and labors of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God is going to reward you for what you do. Psalms 103 and 2 says, Forget not all his benefits. There's a benefit in serving God. There's a benefit in going totally with God. Amen? Amen. One benefit is peace. The other one is you don't have a lot. But God can use you in situations, and he knows that you're not going to take the glory for yourself. He can use you to pray for somebody, and they receive their sight. He can use you to pray for somebody, and they receive their healing. And he knows that you're not going to get caught up in, man, guess what? Back in 1972, God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> We're going to keep on moving. We're going to keep on moving, letting God use us, giving him the glory, and keep moving forth in God. Amen. In the back of my Bible, I have this written. And I'm not sure if this is my—I I think it came out of uh, Watchman knee, Spiritual Authority. or oh, was something the pastor said, and it, and it made me uh, write this. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, right. okay. So it says this, Submission— Obedience, conduct, heart. Submission is a matter of attitude. While obedience is a matter of conduct. Submission is of the heart, not of an outward appearance. So we need to look deep inside to those hidden places, those places that we told the Holy Spirit, you can't touch this now. This is a this is in my treasure. Look, I'm holding this back. You can touch everything else but this. we got to open up those doors as well and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us thoroughly, thoroughly, through us. Every inch of us, from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I want to be all that God will have me to be. Whatever I need to do, whatever we need to do, let's do it. Amen. 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 That's all.